is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, Gunnar Sison here again for another podcast, another episode of the podcast, the Breathe In podcast with Leah Frone and Tiffany Rich. Today we're going to be talking about college, cystic fibrosis in college. Uh, I know we touched on about on touched that on, on that rather a little bit last week with our Back to School podcast, but this one we want to dedicate an entire episode to some of our experiences from college. Uh, Tiffany, why don't we start with you? You were on oxygen in college, so that's that's definitely a little bit of a different experience than both Leah and I together. Yeah, totally. Um, being on oxygen, it was hard because one, a lot of my classes were upstairs too. Mm-hmm. So carrying my oxygen concentrator and getting upstairs to the classes were kind of rough. I don't like elevators. So um, <laughs> I kind of try to avoid them, especially because my school is really old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Where did you go old to elevators. Uh, St. Mary's College in California, okay. Moraga. Um, and, uh, so it was hard to get up the stairs. I had a lot of friends that helped me. They carried it for me, which was very nice. Um, and then being in class with it was uh, loud. So I felt like kind of a burden in a way because people were, couldn't hear um, the class as well because of the loud noise of the concentrator. So it was kind of hard, but I got through it and it was nice. When did you start Oxygen? Like, were you on it before college, or was that something that kind of came into the mix halfway through college? It came into the mix halfway through college when I got sicker. I think 2013 I started Oxygen, and I I had the little tank at first, so it wasn't loud, which was much better, and it wasn't as heavy. Um, But, yeah, so that, that helped, but... As I got sicker and sicker, and um, I needed the concentrator because I had to have more leaders, and the little tank could only hold so much, you know. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, and who wants to go back to their car or room or wherever and have to change that periodically? It's too much. Yeah. Exactly. I, you know, I think we we talked about it a little bit last week, um, but you know that sort of, you know, the 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 physical presence of the cystic fibrosis being there in class with you for, for me, it was coughing. And I think Leah said the same thing last week as well. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, you know, that, you know, that was like, that was sort of the physical indicator that something was wrong. I don't know if something was wrong, but there was an issue that I was dealing with during class. And for me, it was the coughing for you. It's, you know, the, the oxygen concentrator, those are very, uh, you know, present signals that something is going on. Right. Uh, and, and I, you know, I think <clears throat> college is a different time in a lot of people's lives, uh, especially people with CF, because for a lot of us, you know, we're, we're on our own in a different place, in a different environment, uh, and we're sort of have to, you know, we're sort of learning how to fend for ourselves. And, and I, I, in a lot of ways, I look, yes. back, I look back on college as a defining moment in my life because I was able to prove to myself 
that not only was I able to take care of myself, but I was also able to be an independent person, you know, out, you know, out there in the wild away from my parents. Right. And I think it's a learning game at first, you know, like your parents are so involved in your treatments, your medicines, your doctor's appointments, all of that. And then you go to college and it's like, here I am, a new environment, a new place. You really don't know anyone. And then you have to add in doing your treatments, your medications, being on top of those doctor's appointments into the mix. And I know, I mean, I was in Maryland. I stayed in Maryland, so I didn't have to change doctors. But I can only imagine going outside of the state and having to find a new doctor, a new clinic, and then having to deal with all that at the same time. See, that that's something that I actually did do. So I, right. I, I, went to, I'm, I live in New York, and I went to Boston College for my four years of college. Uh, my freshman year, I was followed by my pediatric center here in New York City. Uh, my my parents and I sort of decided that it wouldn't be such a great thing for me to change everything all at once. Uh, so I, I, I was I was seen by my pediatric doctor in New York, and she basically coordinated everything for me while I was at school in Boston. Essentially, to the point where you know, if I was if I wasn't feeling well, Boston was close enough where I could just drive home, or not I didn't have a car freshman year where I could just you know take a train home or you know, right. hop on a hop on a, a shuttle flight home yeah. real quick or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that was that was something that I did, and I I think that was a huge mistake for me uh, because I you know I mm-hmm. think having been away at school somewhere, you know, when I went through all the the college process and selecting where I wanted to go to school, this that and the other thing, one of the major requirements of mine mm-hmm. was to have a major CF center or different options of CF centers in that city, and we did not utilize that. For whatever reason, we just didn't utilize it. Boston has amazing options. Exactly. Too. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's Boston yeah. Children's, there's Mass General, the whole thing. So I, uh, towards the end of my freshman year, I actually got very, very sick, and I had to take like a little bit of like a medical, I don't know if it's called a medical leave or whatever I did. Yeah, I basically right. had to, I went home for like two or three weeks to get back on my feet because I had gotten very sick, and you know my parents were like, this is crazy. Like he, He's coming home. He doesn't have anyone there that can look after him. So my par- I, mm-hmm. my parents and I had like a very, you know, a very candid conversation in, in which we decided that it would be best for me to transition to adult back in New York City, and then have my adult doctor recommend somebody in Boston that they could be in co- that she could be in contact with so that my treatments could be fit my 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 health rather could be managed in person in Boston, and then ultimately right. my doctor back in New York would be the one that would have either either the final say or basically the person that could you know, oversee everything. And that's exactly what I did. So when I got back my sophomore year, the first week I was back at school, I went and met a doctor uh, at Boston Children's Hospital. Oddly enough, I was seen by an adult doctor in New York and she recommended a pediatric doctor in Boston. So that's kind of how I was, that's kind of how it worked out for me. You do things so different there though, you know, like you stay in pediatric clinic until you're 35, I think. So where at Boston? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I definitely wasn't the oldest one. That was my experience with them. Yeah, I definitely, right. I definitely was not the oldest person there. And uh, the, uh, the, it, 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 was a, it was actually a fantastic clinic. The way the whole thing was run, it just seemed like it was so much further along uh, as it far as, as the way they operate as clinic than any other CF clinic I'd ever been exposed to. Uh, but, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. I do think that it was, it was very helpful to have somebody that could look after me in Boston if I ever needed it. And my sophomore right. year, I actually picked up a really, really nasty virus, and it turned into an infection. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, I had pancreatitis, and like this whole oh, like no. whirlwind of like Gosh. a disaster started to happen to me sophomore year. Uh. And it actually was a, a, it was almost a blessing in disguise that I had a doctor in Boston that could essentially give me right. some peace of mind while this was happening to me. I ended up going back to New York to get back on my feet, but in, in the end, in the end, it was it was nice to have two sets of eyes looking after me, one in Boston, one in New York. And mm-hmm. I, I do recommend that for people with cystic fibrosis when they head off to college in a different state. Right. 
It just gives mm-hmm. yourself and, just ha- like feeling like you're looked after all the time because like if you feel like you're sick or something, you don't want to have to go all the way to another state <laughs> to go get care you don't. and stuff. I mean, and you want and being having your doctor talk to your primary CF doctor is just helpful because they know you and then they can work together to help you so much, which is very, very helpful. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. They definitely have to work hand in hand. You know, if they can't do that, I don't think you can be successful in that situation. Oh, no. And and to that point, I think, uh, you know, something that really shows how that, that worked out my senior year of college, I, uh, I came down with like pneumonia or something. My, my second Mm -hmm. semester of my senior year and my, it was it was right before spring break and sort of like a, a rite of passage for students at BCs to go on like a big spring break trick their senior year. And I had it planned, you know, we planned it ahead of time and already, you know, put my, my cash deposit down, the whole thing. And uh, I got sick and it was like a heartbreaking moment for me. I was you know, 22 years old, about to graduate college. And I got sick right before spring break and it was like the most devastating thing that ever happened to me. So I went down to, right. to Boston Children's and I spoke to my doctor there and he was like, He's like, what's going to stop you from going on this spring break trip? You know, we'll give you antibiotics. You're going to start to feel better in a few days anyway. You know, who cares if you're doing the medications here in Boston or there in the Bahamas? And right. my, my my doctor back in New York that was the one that who oversaw everything agreed with everything, every single thing he said. He was like, you know, at some point, you know, you have to worry about yourself and, you know, the life that you're living rather than just your, your health. You know, you, you want to be compliant with your medications and do the right thing. But at the same time, you know, the motivation to continue with cystic fibrosis care comes from the memories that you make in life. And both doctors were very encouraging for me to, you know, to, because they knew that I was a competent patient. They knew that I could take care of myself to bring my, right. you know, my medications with me to the Bahamas. And that's, that's exactly what I did. It was kind of weird traveling with that on the airplane and, you know, sort of being in a, a spring break setting with an IV. But it all worked out and it was, and it was definitely, one of, you know, something, something I definitely look back on to say that, oh, you know what, I can do that. I can... You know, I can get sick, I can get back on my feet, and then, you know, go somewhere with my friends. Right. I, I think traveling with IVs is always very interesting. I've done it a couple of times. And you can be successful, you know. It's just you need those couple first couple days to kind of get back on your feet, and then you can take ownership of it. it they're not even weird about it when you go on a plane with IVs. Mm-hmm. I think I got through TSA faster with IVs yeah. than without them, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, 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 they very quickly recognize that there's like an issue, right? So in there, and as soon as someone exactly. finds out that you're sick, they're all of a sudden very helpful. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, yeah. circling back to like the, the college life and shit, did you guys, did you guys live with roommates? Yes. I lived from home, so I commuted. I was okay. a commuter. Yeah, so I, I did live with roommates. I lived with roommates all four years. You know, I remember when I was really young, my dad made a very weird parenting decision that allowed me to see uh, the movie Animal House. And I remember as soon as I saw that movie, I was like, wow, that's what I want college to be like. And I think I was probably, you know, 11 or 12 at that time. So I had a couple years to wait. Uh, but, you know, as soon as I finally got to college, I, I won't say that my college experience was frame for frame like Animal House. But it, it, it was it was similar enough in the, in, the, in the sense that I was happy. So, I, you know, I always wanted to live with roommates because I wanted, you know, I felt like that was part of the true college experience. Uh, my, my freshman year roommate was actually my, one of my best friends from high school. Um, and then moving on, I, I took on more roommates as I, as I got older, my sophomore year, I lived with three other kids. Uh, my junior year, I lived with three other guys and then my senior year, I lived with four other guys. So, you know, living with roommates, I think was 
both a good thing and a bad thing. It was definitely a challenge health-wise because all of a sudden you're cramming as many guys in there as possible. And in college, it's like a cesspool for germs and viruses and you know, really the, the stomach flu and stuff like gonna, that. I, I was going to ask how you guys handle being with roommates uh, since I commuted, so I didn't have that experience. Like, how did you guys, like, handle the germs and stuff? Because I know when I went to class, I was I had a mask sometimes. I would have my... Uh, wipes and everything wiped out everything you know i just don't like how did you guys handle that yeah we i mean you probably had the same thing as i did but we had literally like one of those uh clorox cleanup like wipe things like a bottle of those at almost every three steps in the apartment and <laughs> if, if there's if, if there was ever an issue someone would just take like clorox wipes and just like bleach whatever it was uh i also made my roommates get the flu shot every year that was like a, that yeah, was that was yes, that was a requirement. Yes. That was a requirement yeah. of mine for them to live with me. Um, and I also, my junior and senior year, I had like my own room to myself. So I basically, okay. um, you know, w- within the larger suite, I had my own room. So that by that point, I was also tube fed. So the tube, you know, the feeding tube does make a little noise at night. So it, it wasn't fair to the, the other guys to have to ex- like you know expose them to that. But I, uh, right. you know, I definitely. Uh, I, you know, I definitely did take proper precautions. You know, the, the room was, I'm not going to say it was spick and span because college dorms and those things are just disgusting, but we, we, yeah. we definitely did our best. Mm-hmm. I, well, so for me, when I first started college, right off the bat, I started off with my own room. Mm-hmm. Um, when I applied to colleges, you know, I kind of took ownership of the fact that a lot of the schools I applied to didn't have air conditioning in the dorms and I knew that wasn't going to go well. I also knew sharing a bathroom with like 50 million people probably wasn't going to be successful for me in terms of staying well. <clears throat> so that's kind of when I decided, okay, I'm going to be honest with the school up front, start with the accommodations. And they put me in a place where I had my own room. I was actually in a suite with three other people. We each had our own room. We had a common living area. We didn't have a kitchen, but we had one bathroom we all shared. So it kind of cut down on how many people were actually in there and I wasn't exposing myself to so many germs Uh as opposed to three other people's. You make a good point about the air conditioning in the bathroom. I did actually the same thing. So when I got to Boston college, I, you know, went to the the Dean of students with disabilities and I think that's what the office was called. And we requested that I have basically like the Dean would then write a letter or rather a list of demands that was then passed on to Boston College Housing Department. Because at BC, you actually live on campus three of the four years. It's just like a weird little tradition that like that you okay. do at BC. You, like, very, you only live off campus junior year. It's kind of weird. But um, the way we did it was we basically demanded of the, the housing department that I would have an air conditioning unit in the room, uh, that, mm-hmm. the ba- you know, that I had my own bathroom within the room, uh, and that by the time I was a senior, you know, I became... Be, you know, I became more experienced with the things that I was asking of the of the housing department. And so senior year, I asked that they replaced all the furniture and they removed uh, the, the carpeting. Like, so the carpeting was, uh, was a, you know, obviously a, a, yeah. a home for just God knows uh, what. Especially in college when yeah. people are spilling drinks and, you know, who knows. Exactly. But, you know, so we had them, we had them remove the carpeting my freshman, sophomore, and, and senior year. Junior year, I obviously lived off campus, so we didn't have carpet, but... Uh, we had them remove that, and then senior year, I did have them remove the furniture and replaced it with, you know, furniture they have on standby. A lot of these colleges have things on standby, or they have the resources to help people with disabilities. It's just a matter of knowing what to ask for. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, my sophomore year, 
was probably my most difficult year because our ratio of uh, guys living together to the bathroom was four to one. We had four guys in one bathroom. It was a disaster. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that my my sophomore year was definitely my most difficult year as far as my health goes. But uh, from every every other year, the the ratio of guys to bathroom was two to one. So you know, two mm-hmm. guys sharing a bathroom isn't the worst thing in the world. That's nice. But you know, yeah, that right. was definitely that was definitely very helpful as far as you know when someone was sick or whatever, they could quarantine themselves to the other bathroom or they would stay in their room. Yeah. My roommates were definitely very cognizant of my staff, and they you know they did whatever they could. To, to basically make sure that my health was a priority for all of them. That's great. And I think that's important, <clears throat> especially kind of right off the bat. I mean, I went to Mount St. Mary's University. It's in the middle of nowhere, kind of near Gettysburg. Um, very small school. And I did know a handful of people going there when I decided to go there. Um, but one of my roommates or sweet mates or whatever, when I first started, she was actually my boyfriend at the time, sister. I don't know if that's a good situation or a bad situation, but um, she was there and she she knew what I went through already and it was nice having her there if I needed chest PT or something a little bit extra. She was always there to kind of help me out. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to explain my whole life situation to her just from like our first meeting, you know what I mean? So that was a nice thing to have. Yeah, you're definitely right because I had my I had my best friend from from high school he was oddly enough he was actually dating my sister at the time but uh he he was my my roommate uh all four years of college and he was extremely helpful as far as bridging the gap between you know letting my new friends know that i had cf and you know helping me deal with you know some difficult situations you know i you know i think that's another part of the whole college thing is letting people know that you have cf and you know we talked about it tiffany obviously had the oxygen concentrator which is almost like a billboard you know i definitely and I would bring my IV pole to class and hang up my IVs. Yeah, that's see, when I was like, I don't think I ever did I was, that. See the the I IV was, the IV pole that you gotta you have to get the little eclipse balls like the pumps. Those are so that yeah, so that so you, you can be see, more discreet about it. Some can't go the, in it though. The only the only thing was the medicine that I was on couldn't do the couldn't, eclipse ball. Yeah. See, I think that's so the big, I, I think I think that's the biggest lie in the history of of healthcare because I what I because said. because that's you just. Because I, I had them certified. I basically said this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of, that you can't put the medication into the Eclipse Bowl because it's the same exact process or the same exact thought, you know, thinking of putting it into an IV bag with saline. Right. And the reason yeah. being is you just just shoot it in there. So I had I actually had the I had my doctor write a note to the home care company, and, and they were like, the doctor basically said, teach Gunnar how to almost be a, a pharmacist. So I learned how to... Right. Put medications yeah. and whatever medication it was into an eclipse bowl. Whether and the, uh-huh. I, I understand the problem with some of these medications is their their shelf life. So I mean, yeah, with certain with, with certain medications, what I would do is before every single infusion, I would just shoot the medication into the eclipse bowl. So that's that's all I did. Mm-hmm. And people, right. whenever people tell me that like medications can't go into the eclipse balls, I think that's the biggest lie ever because I know that it can. I, now I understand yeah. there are certain things with there are certain that have toxicities or they are exposed to light or whatever that mm-hmm. i understand but when they tell you the shelf life thing i, I don't there's no difference between putting it in an eclipse ball which is the little self-pumping iv and the iv bag yeah. which is just a bag of saline i, I don't I understand exactly. what the difference is i i don't know i asked them and they're like no uh, something about the shelf life of course and you know i was just like i was to a point that i was it was not just gonna too argue. Much to fight. Yeah, yeah. See, the difference yeah. between you and me is that I refuse to take no for an answer, and I basically had my doctor. Yeah, do too. I, I, to- I told my doctor I was like, I'm not bringing an IV pole into my English class. Like that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not doing that. 
I'm like, yeah. and it's actually a funny story. There was one time when they basically, I, I was on this drug that it had to be mixed. Uh, I, I did four uh, eclipse balls a day, I think, and I had mm-hmm. to mix them at the, I had to mix them right before I did them. So there, there was one day when I was in the middle of mixing an eclipse ball and someone walked into the room that didn't know that I had CF, like someone was coming to study with one of my roommates. And he looked at what I was doing on, you know, like the uh, like the little common room table, and like the, the look on his face was like, oh my god, like I, I cannot oh. be, I cannot be here while this kid is doing whatever he's doing it's with all these right. syringes it's like and you, like and like Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what that's, that's exactly what it looked like. He thought I was Walter White, and I was trying to concoct something like very, like very very sinister. That's that is hilarious. too funny. So you know, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I think. You know, trying to, you know, for me at least, doing the IVs in such a way that I wasn't lugging around all this stuff was was, was something that, that worked for me. You know, obviously, you know, it, you guys did you had different experiences, but I, for me, that was just something that I did. Yeah, I never had that issue in college. Whenever I would do IVs, they would come in the eclipse ball. It wasn't until after college that they would tell me that crap about shelf life and whatever, and I figured out ways around it, but. It was always nice having them in the eclipse ball because you could just go to class. Maybe the person next to you might see it. They probably wouldn't, though. Yeah. I feel like I go out yeah. all the time in public. I take care of patients, and I'm hooked mm-hmm. up to an IV, and they have no idea. Yeah, I mean, so, that's what I would do. I would essentially, before class, I would go to like an empty classroom, start the IV, mm-hmm. go to class, mm-hmm. and then I would excuse myself like to go to the bathroom. You know? Yes. And like, right. instead of going to the bathroom, I would go find another empty that's classroom and just end, and end the, uh, the IV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely yeah, works. You know, you have to be creative. So mm-hmm. for sure, no. If, there's yeah. definitely little, there's definitely little techniques. I think to definitely. to, it to takes getting your way around. I would figure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that you know, I, I'm I'm really not very self conscious about my CF and in, in any in any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination. But I think the IV is a little different because that sends a different signal. Yeah, it does. So I do. It sends a different stigma to it, I think, Uh and people are kind of like, "Oh, you're a lot sicker than I thought you were," and yeah, at that time you are, but it's 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 definitely a little bit of a different thing, you know. It's definitely. Well, by the time like I had oxygen on twenty four seven, I was just like, whatever. (laughs) Right. Everything's out the window at that point. Everybody knows another wire on me. No big deal. Did you did you have people come up to you and be like, "What's wrong with you?" I know that sounds kind of harsh, but like, I what had, would they I do? Had people ask. I had people ask. Um, I had a lot of stares, especially okay. when I did the IV pull. But and that was in physics lab, so it was kind of like physics in a way. But yeah, um, they would just look at me and then they kind of just got used to it because I was on. IVs every three to four weeks. Yeah. By that time, I was on them all the time, and I was so motivated to graduate that I wasn't gonna let that stop me. (laughs) Did you? Did you ever decide? Oh, I'm just gonna like stand up in front of everyone and just tell them what's wrong, so they just stop looking. Um. Yeah, I had that. I I I told the people around me because they would look at me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm wearing a mask because I don't want to get sick, and then I right. have oxygen because of this. And I remember I was in class when I got the call that I was on the transplant list. I got listed, and I came in, in crying 
Aww. And, you know, the girl was just like, what's wrong? I'm like, it's a happy thing. I just got listed, you know? Yeah, and, you're like me. And, I cry at all happy things. Yeah, so, like. <laughs> so does my girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, that's why we get along with her so well. <laughs> so, I just had a lot of wires attached all the time. So, people ask, and, you know, it's awareness. I just definitely wanted to let people know. It's I, okay that I'm different. I mean, I always I go. Like I always go for like. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen the Matrix? Yes. Yeah, yes. you know, you know when like they connect to the Matrix and they have like yes. all their stuff, and then that's yeah. what I. That's what I say. Like whenever I'm like sick on IVs and I have like my feeding tube going, like I feel like I'm mm-hmm. like right, I'm like going to sleep. That's like I'm entering the Matrix. No. That's, like, that's what I tell people. Totally, totally. It's so true. That's a good one. And I feel like even when, or at least at this point in my life, I cough a little bit more than I used to, especially when I'm at work because my job's so active. A lot of patients will be like, oh, what's wrong? Because they all just think I have a cold all the time. And I feel like, you know, the cough kind of makes you explain it a lot of times, too. And it brings awareness mm-hmm. to it. So even if you're not attached to a million things, it still comes up. <laughs> the cough. Not as often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the cough is, uh, uh, I mean, let's say what the cough is. Tiffany, you don't even have the cough anymore. But the cough is, no. you know, the cough is definitely the, the main identifier it, between cystic fibrosis is. and you know the rest of the world, the, the cough is like totally. you know it's very it's distinctive. Yeah, it's kind like, of it's, it's kind of funny because in college I wasn't very, I still wasn't very vocal telling everyone I had CF. Mm-hmm. You know, like people I lived with knew, my friends knew, but not like people I would have class with or anything like that. And one girl that sat next to me in anatomy actually figured out I had CF based on my nails. Oh, the... Apparently her sister had clubs. it, and she yeah. would see me cough occasionally. And she asked my boyfriend at the time, she's like, "Oh, does Leah have CF?" And he's like, "Yeah, how did you figure that out?" <laughs> you know, uh, so it's just interesting the different things well, that CF kind of presents and the, how people can interpret those. The nails well, are su- the nails are such a an identifier of a lot of issues. Actually, it's funny you say it because I are. a friend of mine uh was with you know some other some other people and he noticed that a person in the group like in the group that he was with his nails were clubbed like his nails were there was an issue with his nails and he asked it like he asked the kid about it like do you have cystic fibrosis do whatever and the guy said no i don't and he was like you need to go see a doctor right away because your nails should not look like that my friend has cystic fibrosis and his nails look that way and it's the result of not getting to the fingertips that kid actually and like you know within the next month went to the doctor and he was diagnosed with some respiratory, some significant respiratory illness oh, wow. that they were actually able to get rid of. But uh, wow. he okay. he had some significant respiratory illness because, well, he was able to know that he had some significant respiratory illness because my friend noticed the club fingers. Right. That's so crazy. That is. That's awesome really though that he said something. You that know what I mean? Said, yeah. Because yeah. most people won't say anything. They, you know. No, they definitely won't. Yeah. It's definitely a weird thing to bring up, but you know, I'm, I'm glad my yeah. friend actually did. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. Did you guys have a hard time in college? I don't know. When you're meeting all these new people, like, how did you tell them I have CF? You know, were you like, oh, hey, I have it? Did yeah, it naturally come that's up? Exa- that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. I, my, it was the first night of college. You know, when, when you first get to school and, like, uh, everyone's in the dorm and everyone leaves their dorm doors open so you can sort of meet new right. people. My right. My my roommate and I we had the biggest room on our hall because we had the bathroom. By virtue of having the bathroom, we had the biggest room on camp, oh, okay. on, on the hall. Right. So our room quickly became the room that people wanted to hang out in, and they recognized that we had a different mm-hmm. room than everyone else. So we left the door open, and 
a bunch of guys walked in and we're just kind of sitting there and I was like, you know, I, I got to do this one way or another because ultimately if you, people figure out who I was, they, you know, they, I said Gunnar Assize and they all of a sudden, you know, if you, if you talk to enough guys who like sports or whatever, they figure out that my dad played football. So, you know, it, it would, one way or another, they would figure out that I had CF. So it, definitely a little bit different for me. But so what I did was, you know, we're all kind of just sitting there, you know, you know, BSing or whatever. And I just threw my vest on and started doing a nebulizer. I just like, I just went and I, you know, all these, these 10 new faces in my room just kind of looked at me like, what the hell is this kid doing? And, <laughs> exactly. And one kid was like, so are you going to pass that? Like they thought my nebulizer was like, a was like a was like was like a joint or something and, oh, <laughs> and they're like like you're gonna pass that. i was like i was like listen you don't want this and then finally one kid was like oh do you have cystic fibrosis and i was like yeah i do and everyone got really quiet and that one kid finally was you know just finally like oh you know i had a you know a friend my friend's sister's you know other friend or whatever you know has cf right. and i kind of know what it mm-hmm. is and then as soon as that happens everyone like the whole like the whole like room just takes a deep breath. They're like, ah, someone, someone knows what's going on here, and that's like, that. That breaks the tension. Exactly. That's yeah. basically yeah. how I told everyone. And then from that day, really, like eight or nine of those kids that were in that room are still like my best friends, and a bunch of them have actually done, uh, you know, team boomer fundraising events, you know, run marathons or whatever awesome. for team boomer. So, uh, you know, I, I very, great. I very quickly realized that people would be, you know, helpful or supportive to my CF. <laughs> Right, you have more balls than me because honestly, for me, totally different. I did not tell people. I continued my tactic like I did most of my life. Even my best friend in college, she will tell you to this day, it took me a year to tell her. She was somehow oblivious to life, like didn't notice me doing IVs, didn't really think about, oh, what are all these treatments in her room? (laughs) Didn't think about my cough. She thought I had bronchitis for a year. And then one I would eat every meal with her, okay? Never noticed me take my pills. Never. People are, some people are just, like, focused on themselves. Yeah. I think people only look for what they want to see, yeah, and if they're not mm-hmm. looking for it, they don't see they it. They don't see it. So it's just yeah. kind of interesting. Um, we laugh about it now because it was just, like, kind of funny. But when I got to nursing school, totally different. I remember my first semester, I got really sick, and it was probably me adjusting – you know, I was like out kind of partying a lot because I was trying to make new friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that adds a whole new aspect. Yeah, it yeah. totally does. And um, yeah, we can talk about that next if you guys want. But <laughs> yeah, so I was doing a lot of that. I was trying to keep up with this crazy accelerated program and stay on top of my CF. And I was not successful in my first six months. Um, so... I ended up one day in class feeling absolutely awful. The nurse, so I went to Johns Hopkins Nursing School, so it's literally right across the street from the hospital, which was pretty nice because if I got sick, I could just walk across the street, go to the F clinic, no big deal. I could, I would literally just send them an email like, "Hey, not feeling well today." And they're like, oh, "Okay, come yeah. over." So I'm in class, and we were actually in this class called Health Assessment. So it was a five-hour lab. That's okay? ironic. Five hours. It's so long for me. That's I'm feeling long. awful crackles all through my lungs just look so and that day we were learning about lungs come oddly to find enough, out oddly enough. so that's when i came out to everyone about having cf and it was pretty much so they could all learn what different lung sounds sounded like because i had everything yep. going on i had crackles i had ronchi i had wheezing mm-hmm. i had some little clear spots i had diminished parts so i was like <laughs> okay everyone listen to my lungs because this is what they shouldn't sound like 
And in nursing school, everyone's looking for that because everyone sounds normal. So <clears throat> then the teacher sat me down. She goes, she's like, can I sit you in front of the class and let them just ask you questions? And I'm like, okay. So Show and left tell. and right start asking all these questions. And it was, I mean, it was pretty crazy, but they are some of my biggest supporters to this day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still fundraise. They still support me in everything that I do. A lot of them live all over the world and they support me from afar. It's amazing. So that kind of taught me that coming out to people they weren't going to hate you. You know what I mean? No, like, I think I yeah. Rejected, that mm-hmm. that experience kind of showed me, no, a lot of people will back you up and support you. And as you get older with this disease, you need that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's totally. one of the reasons I became friends because I felt like people couldn't relate to me. And luckily we found each other and the rest is history. But, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I, I was at community college. So uh, most of the people that went to high school with me were at school with me, so they all knew already for the most part. And then I was a health science major. I did a lot of science classes. So, like Leah, everybody wanted. We had to do. We had to do spirometry oh in physiology lab. I and I, I was like, to do really, that you're gonna make, I'm like, you're really gonna make me do this? And she's like, Yeah, I want to see the difference. And I, I didn't like, do okay. it. Okay. Oh, I did it. I was like, I'll do one. I'll do one. Yeah, I'll do one. I'll like, do one. I'll do yeah. one. And I, was, and I told, I had to um, teach everybody how to do it because they didn't know how to do it. No, uh, no one did. No, it's unbelievable. It my, best friend, my best friend was my partner at the time. The one that didn't even know I had CF. I don't even think she knew at this point. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. She's like, oh, I'll do it. And then I'm teaching her how to do it. And she's like, how do you know this? <laughs> how do you know this? Yeah. It's, it's a little, yeah. little trick yeah. of the trick. Show and tell. Probably wasn't a good and, moment. Yeah. And I do all my projects on it, so it was easy, right? Because it's your life. You're just talking so, about yourself. Then people would ask, yeah, and then people would ask you questions and, you know, awareness right. and people, like, w- wanted to know more because they knew you. Exactly. They, they, right. they ultimately, the, you know, we're sort of running out of time here, but I'll make this last point. You know, they're, they're, you know, I think people, as soon as they find out that you're dealing with something so adverse, they ought to, they, they, they want to just, like, be on your team. You know, they want to jump <laughs> on your team and, and help you get through it because I do think, for the vast majority of people, not every single person, but I think for the vast majority of people, human nature is a good thing, right? You know, I think people are willing right. to help and, and step up to the plate and go to bat for each other. And ultimately, if you let people into your life, they're going to be more apt to help you out and get through the tough times, right? So, exactly. you know, I definitely mm-hmm. think that the experience that you saw, Tiffany, in, in yeah. you know, doing the, the PFT or whatever, and, and, and then you, Leah, you know, letting everyone do, everyone listen to your lungs in class went a long way. Right to helping people understand what people see if are going through and all of a sudden they can identify, you know, maybe not totally identify, but they can identify a little bit with some of the struggles that you go through on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. So and That's definitely important. So important. So, so with that, I need to bring today's podcast to a close because we are running out of time. Very important. You can get a, uh, in, in touch with us, the co-hosts of the breathe in podcast, a few different ways. Okay. Very important to listen. You can email me at gunnersblog at asylum.org. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we may even have a breathe in Instagram very shortly. Uh, we'll update you there if we do. Right. Uh, and then you can also get in touch with the Salty Sisters. So you can get in touch with us on Instagram. at It's at Salty Sisters. Twitter, we're not very active on there yet. We're still working on that. Facebook. We also have an email salty sisters at gmail.com and we have an etsy store as well as a website 
On Etsy, our shop name is Salty Sisters. And it's C-Y-S-T-E-R-S for sisters. Also very important that if you do any of this, remember to like, share, and review. And iTunes, subscribe to us there. Very important because we want to know that people are listening to us so we continue to do the show. Uh, exactly. It's a very important exactly. thing because ultimately <laughs> Tiffany's goal is to get Taylor Swift on the show and we won't get there until we're yes. very big. So with exactly. that... <laughs> we all need to follow us, recommend us, do everything known to man so that Taylor can finally talk to Tiff on this podcast. <laughs> and get a sloth. And get a sloth here. Right, she can bring sloth. For you, yeah. I feel like she has more connections than me. So yeah. Okay, and so, all right, so with that, I had to bring today's podcast to a close. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.